Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Ah, jeez, it's only when you watch it back and back yeah. and back. I'm after watching it back a couple of times. Jesus, it's just sick. Absolutely sick. And as Eddie touched on, that's a save for the ages. And I suppose, look, I haven't seen a save like it. You know, With so much at stake. So much at stake. The moment, you know, 71, 72 minutes, squeaky bum time. I think even in 40, 50 years' time, we'll be talking about this save. so good. Hello and welcome to the Troy and Hurling Show with me, Michael Burney. And this week, I'm joined once again by Eddie Brennan and John Milan to look back on two breathtaking All-Ireland semi-finals over the weekend. I'm going to go to you first, Eddie. I don't know what it is about Kilkenny. There must be something in the water down there. Um, probably written off in some quarters, but just another... You know, another workmanlike performance, you know, delivering on the big occasion yet again, back into another All Ireland final. Yeah, cause, um yeah, we're we're sitting smiling now. Um, but we obviously have to finish the job. And, you know, I think uh on Cody probably in the emotion of after the match, I think in his after match interview, you know, said about that maybe the the the, the credit wasn't going their way and yeah, he's probably right to an extent. I've been slow to kind of, I think we're, just the way we are in Kilkenny, we kind of wait and wait and see and 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 rightly or wrongly, whether the boys like it or not, the big one is where you get your credit and you just say, yeah, okay, I agree. And I've been slow to kind of talk up this Kilkenny team this year. You're just kind of, because we've, we've, you know, maybe been, you know, it's obviously been a barren few years and these lads have lost a few All-Irelands. There's three All-Ireland finals left behind them. So they must be ravenous um, too, equally. Like they have to be ravenous and we touched on this briefly, but uh, unfortunately, you know, they have to finish the job now and, and that's not putting pressure on them. I think that's what they'll want to do, but it's a savage achievement, I think, for Derek Ling and his management team in their first year in. They have just hit the ground running and I think the obvious change has been is that they're actually a lot more comfortable now bringing that ball out. Like even I thought, was it yesterday? Was it just for the the, the ball that ended up with Mullen getting that flick through to Mikey Butler? Like that ball went to the edge of the D. Blanchfield came 
went out between two clear lads, turned back, gave it to, I think, Paddy Deegan. He fired it out to Tommy Welsh on the 45 on the sideline. So that's the where Kilkenny have gone to now. That composure, at that stage of the match, two points up, and to roll with a sharp puck out. So that shows maybe the, the obvious uh, addition they've made to the setup. But um, this is just, it's, it's brilliant. It was a great performance yesterday all round. So much to talk about, so many talking points. You know, Owen Murphy saved two goals. One, a save for the ages that is just going to be, you know, a frame picture on his wall at home that will define, you know, will, will be a career moment. He saved a point in the first half. He caught it on the crossbar. He did another save. You know, um, just little things that turn over for Clare, having done so much right, the sweeper and not pressing up, and then when they did press up. So, all in all, uh, I was at it. was some game of hurling. It was just uh, epic, uh, up and down. A bit like last year, you know, the Saturday match last year, the roles have completely reversed. But, uh, yeah, look, cracking final in store now. And, look, <laughs> whether we like it or not, it, it's just the reality in Kilkenny. These boys will get their credits when they bring Liam home and I hope to God that Derek Ling and the lads uh, finish the job off now. So, John, sorry just about a, the absolute yeah. bias there. <laughs> <laughs> you're all right, you're all right. John, uh, just a word on Owen Murphy's save. I think there's 71 and a half minutes gone. Uh, David Fitzgerald pops a pass out to Peter Duggan. The ball takes off his hurl like something coming out of a cannon. The, the pace of the shot and just to, to do what he did and touch it onto the crossbar, like like you talk about clutch moments and people standing up when they're needed most, but Jesus, oh, Murphy stood up. He couldn't have stood up any more than he did yesterday in that moment. Ah, Jesus, only when you watch it back and back yeah. and back. I'm after watching it back a couple of times. Jesus, it's just sick. Absolutely sick. And as Eddie touched on, that's a save for the ages. And I suppose, look, probably what we're, what you might have to do, Verney, I was going to have to do, you, we might have to look back in you know, saves across the last 40, 50 years, maybe the top 10 saves or something like that, maybe something something you could be, probably someone could be looking at this week. But for me, I haven't seen a save like it. Uh, you know... With so much at stake. So much at stake. The moment, you know, 71, 72 minutes, squeaky bum time. And as you said, like he's, you know, a flood of bodies were there, you know, obstructing his vision and to manoeuvre his his body and to manoeuvre his arms in the manner in which he'd done that done to pull off that save was just was just ridiculous and you know you kind of seen you know what was lovely for me in the aftermath was his mother came on mother, to him yeah, and he shares that, that, that moment to his mother and I, I know his parents which believe it or not his father managed us back in, in uh, back in the millennium 2000 I remember young Owen was only coming in does he came in with the father and he started poking around with with, uh, with his father Paddy and he was only 8 years of age and you know they're a really lovely family real humble family and you know for him to share that moment with his, with his mother uh, after the match was was, uh, was was lovely to see and you, you know you just Things happen in sports, you know, even with the Cluxton Free back in 2011, those big moments, Joe, the Joe Cannon uh, point against, against Tipperary back in, back in, back in 17, you know, you can, you can, you can go through them, but, you know, as Eddie touched on, I think even in 40, 50 years time, we'll be talking about this save, it was so good. 
Yeah, it's one for like the museum in Croke Park, isn't it? It, yeah. it just is like it's it like the Christie Ring. Yeah, it could have a similar effect that Nicky Quaid's flick had in eighteen. Like everyone looks yeah. back, that's the that's like the genesis of what Limerick started. Maybe maybe in two weeks' time we'll be thinking, yeah, Kilkenny have to win the All Ireland today, but Don Murphy won the All Ireland two weeks ago. But you know what, lads? Equally, and I think what's probably got getting lost, uh, you know, within the game and, and that Owen Murphy moment was was Connor Fogarty's block. I mean, yeah, lads, yeah, that was that was just. That was just insane. I mean, he ran, he ran nearly what 20, 30 yards or more, and he, 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 even more. And, and like you know, even at a club level, like, you know, the girls in the camogie and you know, any any the, the the men's team, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be coaching. I'll be always saying, you know, chase lost causes, don't give up on yeah. lost causes. And he hit me. He chased the lost cause. That was a lost cause, and he ran 20, 30 yards to get that block in. I mean, it, that was going in the back. That was going in the back. And yeah. you talk about you talk about JJ Delaney's hook on on Cannon. That's, yeah. that's equally right up there, right up there. And that was a big, big moment because you know if, if Rogers stuck that in the back of the net, all of a sudden the game was back to you know the minimum a point or two in in the match. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny. Um, you mentioned about JJ's hook. Uh, I was chatting to Martin Fogarty last week for a piece, and he said JJ's hook was unreal. Owen Murphy was convinced he was going to save the shot anyway, and he probably would have been convinced he would have saved Rogers' shot yesterday with the form with the form he was in. Um, Eddie, another player that 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 stood up like I kind of I, I kind of always felt he had the potential to do it and to grab a big name by the scr- or a big game by the scruff of the neck. But Owen Cody yesterday, I think he yeah. had seven shots, one five. The other one was a Hawkeye. Even the goal was you know it was a split second and it was a bang of a shot. Like he just seems to have—I don't know if he's embraced the captaincy or what it is—but he stood up when was needed most yesterday. Yeah, look, we've been looking at Owen since he arrived on the scene, you know, as a, as an eighteen-year-old, and I was most impressed with him even. And I remember chatting to Jackie in the aftermath of the county final there that they won a few years ago, when Jackie was full back, and Shamrock's like it's gas, an eighteen-year-old, and he's he'd been playing number fifteen all year with them. And what do Shamrocks do? They lob him in full forward on Jackie. And like Jackie said, like he said, I was, you know, I had my plan ready for him. Like, and he said, you know, I went out and I welcomed him to the county final. And he said, so he didn't even blink. Like he said, I hit him a good rattle. He said, and he said, I think people probably don't realize, like, you know, he's caught out of, out of a Shefflin. So he's, you know, he's tall. Like Henry is six foot two. So Owen Cody is six foot plus there. Um, but he has an eye for a finish. I think he's been brewing nicely for the last couple of years. I've seen him playing a centre forward one day with Kilkenny when I was with Leash, and he destroyed us at centre forward. Like so, I think he has that ability to play anywhere. But he has definitely, definitely been exceptional this year in terms of the corner forward position. But yesterday, what I know it was, he seemed very, very uh, mentally focused. And how that, how I spotted that was that I think the very first ball he went at the speed at which he was travelling. You just your body language, and John will will know this, and you will make as well. You sometimes see with fellas their body language tells you they're dialed in. You can see in the team, maybe you know. I remember seeing a team one day. I know it was a war for down Torless one day, and you just knew by the body language they didn't really look right. You know the way, and I, I've seen this with other teams. I'd always be looking at that in the warm up, but Cody looks dialed in, and what he has is he has a very shrewd hurling brain as well. The, the only I suppose if you're to say we're to split hairs a little bit. I think on that one that he broke in, that he hit the shot and Quilligan saved it at the near stick. I think he had Mullen possibly standing on his own at the other side. And usually, in fairness to Owen Cody, he does see those passes. 
again in the form he was in yesterday, he's going to back himself all the way there. And you know, but uh, I know his class and his leadership, his his appetite for work, and I think what was you know a, another defining moment, and there was lots of them in the master were significant, but that turnover. And I'd often be talking, you know, I'd be saying to teams like, you know, you're involved with teams, you'd be encouraging them to work it out. But when you go to the full back line with it, the one thing that the, the, the rule, as I would see it, is if you take that ball there in the middle, the rule is you go, you have to get, you have to get the wheels going, but you hesitate for one second and you fumble that ball. And I thought Rory Hayes just hesitated for a second when there was, maybe it was the fact I think TJ was out in front of him or whichever was coming towards him. And I think it might have caught his eye line and it just turned out to be a huge moment in the game as well. And Owen Cody, you know, finished with a plum. I think the turning point for Owen Cody, you know, and, and I take it back, it's, it's nearly going back, what, 18 months now, was, was that All-Ireland semi-final against Bally Gunner in 2022. Yeah, yeah. Where he's, he, he, he was curtailed in that match by Ian Kenny he didn't have much of an influence on it and the natural disappointment I think he took an awful lot of learnings from that game where he said to himself well look I, I, I'm not going to go through another experience of that again where he was kind of out in the periphery he wasn't involved in the game and, yeah, I think and shut down he was, he was shut down I think, I think he, even, he even said in the natural disappointment after that match that that was never going to happen again and I think in the aftermath of that match I think he's his game has had to go on to a totally different level. I think his his game is elevated onto onto a totally different level. And here we are now, as you touched on Eddie, he has that Shefflin bloodline, and you know you know you can see it in him. Even his interview in the after aftermath of the match yesterday he said, "You know what? People are writing us off. We want to get enough credit. We are a good team." And from then to say, we are looking forward to this game in two weeks' time. Yeah. More or less, same, more or less same, you know. Bring it on. He's the captain now, lads. And you know, if, if you're here and you're captain saying that, you know, bring it on. We're looking forward to the challenge. You know, I just think he's had to grow and he's had to grow and he's had to really become a, a big, big leader for, for Kilkenny. And speaking of leaders, lads, I mean, look, what more can we say about TJ? I mean, 30, yeah. he's, gone, he's gone on 36 years of age. We touched, we, we done an article on him there Saturday, very. I mean, lads, he's, as, as, as Jackie touched on it, he, he, he's defying he's defying age. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. look at you yesterday again, you know, the last, the last quarter comes up with the sideline cut, comes up with the, the assist for Cody, comes up with an assist for... Uh, he just he, he backs him, he just backs himself all the time, doesn't he? Like, And even yesterday, the first, first time in a while now, he's a ferocious man to tackle, but it's always, he's looking to slip the ball but Jesus, lads, I don't know who came out in the first half. Was it Dermot Ryan or someone? Lads, he lifted him over with a shot. Oh, that's right. He yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely stood him up with a shot, like, you know, and you don't you don't bully TJ, and yet he never gets involved in silly stuff either. Like he just he's just still in pursuit of the ball. And he's just strong when he opens out those arms. There's no budging him off the ball. The, the one moment for me that defined his greatness was in the first half where he had he John Conlon. He'd Connor yeah. Jones and he had Tony Kelly. Three of them around him and he had the raw strength to just, you know, keep, keep the three of them aside and, and win the free. That defined it for me. Like. Yeah, he's, he's something else. He's like a fine wine. He's getting better with age. And you, you wrote on Saturday, John, that Messi got the, the final farewell that he wanted in the World Cup final. Maybe, I'm not writing TJ off, definitely not, but maybe he'll get the final farewell 
that that he's looking for in the All Ireland final with an eighth medal. Um, Eddie, I just throw it to you quickly. Um, it's a new Kilkenny under Derek Ling, but by all accounts, a lot of the same principles stay apply. Like he, we're chatting to him in the press conference after. Like all he demands really is work, and he seems to have you know that. Where, seems where have we heard that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It might it might have been a record that we've heard a couple of times before, but it, it's um it's a very basic principle, but it's something that they just kept doing to the last minute yesterday. And even he mentioned, I thought this was kind of you kind of touched on it earlier. He said they continued to be brave even when yeah. even when the game maybe looked like it was going away from them, 1917, continued to work the ball out. I suppose if you were to point to one difference between maybe the Cody era and this era, that could be it. Maybe there's just that bit more bravery and maybe trust in, in what you're doing, maybe because they've, you know, another year under the belt doing it. Yeah, that's it. And I think the more you do of something, the more comfortable you get doing it. So they obviously looked at this and, and Derek would have zoned in it. And I mean, he knows what he's going to get in terms of his characters, in terms of the spirit and the non-negotiable that a manager needs from his players. And remember, all these boys have had this instilled in him under Brian Cody. So Derek is just going to put his own little add-ons onto that. And to me, that was the noticeable one is, look, the ability to, to work it out short and they're going to have to be brave and take those risks because that's what Limerick almost goes you into doing. They've done it to Galway on Saturday very successfully where the full backs, the full forward line just retreat to the 45 and give you, as a goalkeeper, three options, kind of going, take whichever one you want. And then they just, they kind of do that drift squeeze on you down a channel. But Kilkenny are looking at that area and I think Paddy Deegan was excellent in his distribution. Blanchfield is excellent with it. Um, but again, another thing that takes a lot of kahunas too and this is, to me, this is the ultimate in coaching because when a match is in the melting pot, to roll an overload under the Hogan and for Owen Murphy then to spot that Adrian Mullen was one-on-one on, one on the other side, you know, in loads of space and hit him with it, that to me is the mark that's what has defined Limerick, in my view, up to now, that they've been able to trust the system so much. And for Kilkenny to do that, because everybody, the vast majority of teams, and even you take the end of 18, Limerick were panicking with Joe Canning and all that was coming at them. It's very, very hard to do that. And I just think that's an, that, as a coach, that's what I would love in my team, that they have the composure to breed See what's happening. Let's let's overload one side and put Mullen on the other. You know, to, to do that, that's brilliant. And that's, to me, the add-on that Kilkenny now have brought, that Derek has brought to this team. And um, I think there's definitely a little bit more structure to their puckouts. There seem to be a little bit more of a, a system of understanding there. So, look, they're going to need it. They're going to need it if they're going to topple the big boys in the final. It's going to take something like that to do it. And look, we know, I suppose, the big confidence that Kilkenny will take from last year was we were close. We were very, very close. I also, and, and, and look, we, I felt myself that two points wasn't the fair reflection of that All-Ireland last year. But right now, Kilkenny will take great credit from our great confidence from that and say, look, lads, if we can just get another little bit more out of ourselves, we'll get, we can get these lads. And I think the last thing I'll say is Derek has used his bench very shrewdly and I spoke about this well in the run-up to this match and I'm delighted to see Richie Hogan coming on yesterday. His presence on the pitch was fairly unset and I thought for the Clare, the Clare backs. Would you, would, yeah. you, would, you, would you start Walter Welch in the final, Eddie? Yeah, I think he has a few calls to make, doesn't he? Um, uh, like he he's kind of trusting this team starts every day and then he rolls the bench 
But um, I think, look, I suppose this is the cat and mouse like that that we heard Lone even talking about with him when he was, you know, when they obviously made the decision to go with a sweeper, having not done so against Limerick on two occasions this year, I thought it was a little bit odd. But as Lone said, I suppose, these are the decisions you make and you, and there's good rationale behind that. So Derek will sit down with the lads. They'll do fair thinking on this and say, you know, what's going to give us an in into the match? He generally doesn't throw the boomerang out and, and put the opposition thinking and just rolls them then when he needs them. So, but to answer your question, John, I think I think Walter would give Limerick something different to think about. I, th- I think you have a couple of big lumps in there in the Limerick defence, big tall men, and I just think you might have to go toe-to-toe with one of them and say, listen, if put it this way, if Walter Welsh can cancel out Willie Donahue or Kyle Hayes, wouldn't that be some achievement? Yeah, fair point, fair point. You mentioned uh, Brian Lowen there, Eddie. I'll just throw it to you, John. I think Brian Lowen will have a few regrets this morning. And, you know, I just, I, I just found it a bit strange that having gone toe-to-toe with the best team in the country and beaten them earlier on this year and ran into within an inch of their life in a Munster final, that they would almost deem Kilkenny more dangerous and play a sweeper uh, in front of the defence. Or is that just the nature of... Conlon being injured or carrying a knock in, McInerney carrying a knock and Conor Cleary carrying a knock in, but playing the sweeper was definitely, was our character anyway, you'd have to say. I, I found it baffling now to be, to, to be fair to you. Like, you know, and it just went totally against the grain of what, of what Brian Lowen and his management team, team have been doing all year. Look, maybe if they were down Conor Cleary and, and, and John Conlon, I could see possibly maybe the, the logic behind it, but well, certainly not when you had Conor Cleary back, you had Conlon back, you had McInerney back. And even, you know, even the way, you know, we gave three scenarios uh, on Tony Kelly last week. The first scenario was, you know, he could maybe do something ridiculous where he could put, put Tony Kelly back, centre-back, and and bring Mikey Butler into, into that area. The, the other one then was, you know, the one that we felt that might suit Mikey Butler was the one where, uh, Tony Kelly would be out around midfield and, and Roman out around midfield and the other third one then was the one where, where Tony Kelly would go in full forward uh, and maybe stay in around full forward and you know cause Mikey Butler problems in there open up space in, in, in around there but yeah I just I just found it baffling and considering then that they, they played Tony Kelly then midfield they pushed Ryan Taylor up they effectively only had four forwards in, in that first half if you go through it like they had they Shane, o- Shane O'Donnell, they Peter Duggan up top on his own, Rogers, and they Davis Gerrard because Taylor was naturally going to come out around that middle third. So they effectively only had four four forwards. They played right into Kilkenny's hands. They were living off of scraps. They were living off a of freeze. They were they were trying to you know their scores were harder to come by than where where Kilkenny were. You know I, I thought their, their scores they won the freeze more at their ease. And I think the way the game has gone now, lads, you know got to have everything on the button and if you make one monumental mistake like that it effectively can cost you now Brian Lowen will counteract that and say look we wanted to contain Kilkenny and wanted to stay in the match but five points down a half point half time in an all-earned semi-final is that a containment job for me no it's not because because five points in an all-earned semi-final against against you know an experienced team like Kilkenny who've been there before know how know as good as any team what it's like to get over the line you're going chasing that five points so what they had to do then they had to invest so much energy then 
do try and break down that five points, come back into the match, which they did. And then what that does then, lads, when you invest so much energy, sometimes we've seen it time and time again where a team will throw everything, invest everything into getting back into the match that sometimes your concentration levels can dip and errors can set in. And that's, that's what happened with the goal. They invested so much, so much into it. Concentration levels dipped. They made an error. Even the one with the free on Richie Ho. Richie Ho was brilliant. Come on, but lads, that was the one for me. There was a point in it, right? Yeah. Don't fall, don't. Yeah, John Conlon, you had three lads around Rich, Richie Ho. Didn't catch the fall. ball again. And it's, it's, it's the free that drives me crazy where he's on the sideline yeah. and he goes in and he shoulders, shoulders the head, concedes a free. TJ puts over a bar. The margin is out to two. And you're back, back chasing. So I just think, and even with that, I saw some of the decision making in the second half going for some crazy scores. Kelly, Dermot Ryan going for crazy, crazy, crazy scores. And look, we've seen over the last, the last uh, couple of months, players have been at their best when they when they've got gone out teams. And back to teams. Yeah. We've seen, we've it, it's been proven now, right? Even when Clare won the All Ireland, right? They didn't win the All Ireland with a sweeper. They pushed on and they went for it against Carl. Yeah. And and this fucking crack now, it's no longer called a sweeper. It's called a plus one. You're not going to win an All Ireland with a plus one or sweeper or whatever you want to call it. Do you want to come in there, Ed? Uh, just yeah, no, that, just 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 yeah, quickly. I think I think why they went with. I'm just looking through it, and I agree with all what John is saying. My only reason that I think he went with it was because he detailed theory to follow TJ. And then you were taking your your gatekeeper away from the edge of the square, which is like he marked Galan in the round robin. We'll say he's you know what I mean. So when Galan sits inside, that's grand. You have your big dog there minding the house, and I think that's that Conor Cleary is good, real good player. And I thought he done well on TJ overall, but he's around marauding around, so that's probably why he done it. But I agree. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought they took from themselves. And again, the the, the TK situation. I kind of talked with all the talk about that. I said, geez, well, oh, law of averages now, surely Mikey Butler won't. And he done a brilliant job and probably should have had two points. But lads, like, I, I think the, the, the one thing I'll say now, I saw, I saw an exchange off the ball now and, and, and Mikey Butler was in a hate now and he got up and he just dragged himself to, to his feet and just stayed going. And like, such was the frustration that he put into Tony Kelly and I can tell you one thing, lads, and I think Morris Brosnan touched on it, or Niall McIntyre said this, like, not once, like, did, did uh, Mikey Butler engage in any silly shit. He wasn't mounting, he wasn't dragging Tony Kelly, he just went and just marked him. And I think when, you know, what did Mikey Butler do, which was a tactical plus for Kilkenny, he started carrying ball up the field, he started making Tony Kelly defend. And I mean, you look at the end of that match, right? And we've spoken about this at length. And I, I, I think Tony Kelly is a phenomenal talent. Where do the opposition want Tony Kelly? Trying to hook Mikey Butler on his own 21 coming down the straight. I mean, if you're a, an opposition manager, that's where you want Tony Kelly. He's no danger to you down there. And I thought that was another thing. I, I, even for 10 minutes, dump him in on the edge of the square and isolate him and see what he can do. Well, well, well. They needed to either deal with it. It was either one of the three scenarios that we broke down, all right? Like, how many possessions did Tony Kelly have yesterday? Did he, would he have six, seven? Eight, 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 
if even, Eve, yeah. Eve, Eve, Max, if you, if you, and two or three, he just popped off. Right, if he was going to have that amount of possessions, right, and he's going to be limited to that, right? I go back to why they should have went with that scenario, where they should have. The mind your sweeper, if they wanted to then put Tony Kelly num- number six, then you could have played, you know, John Conlon as kind of, you know, sitting in front of the D. You didn't necessarily then have to go with a sweeper because oh, no what, sweeper, would have, yeah. what would have happened? Mikey Butter would have, Mikey Butter would have naturally just followed Tony Kelly into number six. So you would have brought another body. You would have brought Tony Kelly back. And on top of that, you would have brought another body. Sometimes when you bring an opposition body in with you, that can that can upset your own as well. Yeah. Your own your, your own body. So they, they possibly should have done that or the one that you touched on there, Eddie, that they should have pushed up and, and you know, even for 10, 15 minutes, throwing them in on, on the edge of the square. But lads, Eddie, you've been there before. Like you touched on Mikey Butler. He's, there's no dirty to send him like he's just one of no. the, he, he, he's the worst type of player that you can marry like he doesn't hit back if you hit him he doesn't hit back he just jumps up he's in your face he's just following you everywhere there's he, just no end to him he, he mentally for, for, for a forward he's the worst type of defender you can have and even though you know we, we, we look at we look at the y'all are in final next week like who's Mikey Butler going to be detailed tomorrow would he be best suited to, to go on Galan? Maybe Galan might have the, the aerial aerial uh, ability o- o- over Mikey Butler. But my God, lads! I mean, I think Derek Derek Ling will p- put a lot of thought in, into who he's going to detail Mikey Butler to mark in the final because whoever he goes on, lads, he's he 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 he's a forward nightmare if, if you ask me. And even to see him soloing up the field and bouncing the ball off the ground and soloing <laughs> onwards, definitely he's he's added he's added that to his game. Last word just on on Brian Lowen, uh, Eddie. He's he's in Clare four years. I think he's another year. I think he got an extension a couple of years ago. He'd have another year. Like where do they stand now? They've they've no, they've no silverware. By all accounts, they're the one team that seems to be able to lay it down to Limerick. They're the, the only team that have beaten them in the championship since 2019. But they've very little to show for the last no. four years outside of, you know, being involved in some great games. And do you know what? That won't comfort you when you're a player in 10 or 12 years' time and you're looking back. Like it's, it's, it, and, and Lowen will be the first to say that. That is, he doesn't want tokenism. He doesn't want, you know, these, these shallow performances or false kind of credit and all that. I do think, like, I think it's important he stays because that bunch of players are playing from. I do think he'll definitely look back on yesterday and say, tactically, lads, we 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 didn't get it right. I think, you know, we we all in semi-finals are about maybe holding holding tight as much as you can, but also being brave at the right time. And I just think they, you know, maybe it's a part of the plan. And and like when you saw when they went toe to toe, they were devastating. They were absolutely devastating, and all. Like again, let's forget Owen Murphy made another brilliant save. Duggan fired off another shot that was parried away by Hugh Lawler. So Clare were coming with all the energy, and it was just like John said there when the energy levels were getting low. So I think he'll look at that maybe coming down the line, but that's it's tough. Jesus, you'd be fairly sick because you know it's so far back to this point. It is so far back to this point for him, but. I do think he's the right man for Clare. I do think he should stay put for another year at least and, you know, take the time off, settle down. But 
I think no matter what it is, I think we spoke about this last week in the run up to it. Unfortunately, it's cru- sport is cruel. They are no further advanced than than they were this time last year. They have very little to show for it. Only they've been involved in some good matches. They're the team that has pushed it up to Limerick. But ultimately, Limerick are clocking up medals in their pockets while Clare aren't, and and that's the bit that's the bitter pill that they have to swallow. Unfortunately, coming out of this campaign again. And obviously, Limerick are chasing uh, a fourth All Ireland in a row in two weeks' time when they face Kilkenny. They had a nine point win over over Galway at the weekend. John, uh, maybe the first thirty minutes aside, is the Green Machine back humming again? Look, I, I, I said it last week. The Green Machine comes alive in Crow Park. Uh, I think where, where the Green Machine is, are, are, are most vulnerable and where they have been this year, probably in the Munster Championship, where they're probably going to venues where the pitch dimensions probably, you know, allow for the opposition teams that come up against them to, you know, set up, uh, you know, and give the opposition the best opportunity of, of going toe-to-toe with Limerick. But i just seen time and time again, when they get into Crow Park, even down in Parky Cueve, the, the, the pitch dimensions play the same as Crow Park. They're just a different, they're a, they're, a, they're a different animal. And, you know, I was up there, up there the weekend. I thought last week when we were, when we were given a prediction, asked for a prediction on, on the match, I would have said these Limerick could win by, you know, the smallest of margins. But, you know, when I was up there on, on radio duties the weekend, you know, just even seeing how relaxed they were out before the match and when they came on doing their warm-up, you know, you kind of get a vibe for what's going to come. And, and Des Cattle asked me, so what do you think? And I think, I think they're going to open up today. I think they could win by six or seven points. And, you know, when they get into the groove in, in, in Crow Park, you know, they're just, they're just a different, they're just a different animal, Fernie, you know? Yeah, no, they were they were phenomenal. Um, a lot of talk, Eddie, about uh, Nicky Quaid's contact lens slash collar slash chest issue. Um, what are your own thoughts on it? In the in the five minutes after, it had very little of an effect, but in the five minutes before uh, half time, they seemed to totally settle. Now I don't know if that was to do with that or if it was to do with Galway change and tack and uh, dropping off. But just on the Nick on the Nicky Quaid thing. It's something that's happened in a couple of big games now and it happens when they're under pressure. There's no point in saying any different. Well, I haven't seen it happen to Nicky Quaid for for a long time. When things are going great, it doesn't seem to happen at all. So, look, I would say on that, don't blame the player, blame the game. It's it's game management and if there's an issue with that, we, can, we could drill into the merits of it. But if you're under the cosh and you need to break up play, I think it's up to the referee to turn around maybe and if you want to if I'm to deal with it in one way and say, right, just hey, put your helmet back on, there's nothing wrong, play is going on, or flat you know, if you want to do that, I think there's a camogie if you, your helmet is off or whatever, you you can't play without your helmet on and you can deal with it or whatever. But in terms of readjusting and how they use that well, that's that's not their fault. That's like fair play to them, they're addressing it. Equally, I would say is there's clearly someone very, very clued in and saying, "Hey, lads, we're under the pressure here. We need to we need to break this play fairly quick." Well, equally, that option is open to Galway too. That once once they turned around and maybe they got the first two, three points coming out of that unbroken, and they seem to be finding their mojo, and suddenly Nicky Quaid is firing off big puckouts left, right, and centre. Well, let's go beat them at their own game. Let's stop it again. And if you want, even stop it a second time. Why not? 
I think in football, this is a huge thing, managing the clock, taking freeze, slowing it down. So that's not, to me, I'm not going to criticise Limerick for that. That's that's their prerogative and, and it's up to, if there's something wrong with it, then the officials deal with it. Uh, but if you're using that to, to help your team, so be it. Um, that does... I'd, I'll take it. If my team are able to do it and they're able to get the messages and fix it on, on pitch, so be it, you do it. Um, so that's experience. That's the crew that's there. They know what they're about. They're able to you know, chat around what they're doing. They adjusted even where they were taking the puck outs and stuff like that. They adjusted their game. You know, and that's, that's, that's brilliant to be able to be saying we're, we're playing one way and then suddenly, right, lads, let's drop a little bit deeper. Let's go short and bring the ball out from the back. And the forwards maybe set up a little bit different, and the Reds are suddenly find their mojo. And central to that is is Daryl Donovan have was was brilliant in that. Like he's able to see that pass. I think if you're going to target an area in the final, I think you have to break that link with him and Galan. You know he feeds Galan so well. Yeah, but just just on the just on the Nicky Quaid. I mean that's apparently that's ongoing uh, across the board, whether it be club level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, clubs and counties are saying, look, if we come under pressure, you know, you know, kill the clock, go someone some someone go down. And Limerick supporters, it'll remind you, Jesus, about 94, you know, when your own awfully, you know, came with that late, late spell, like Jesus, I mean, they nearly reminds you, Jesus, why didn't we we kill the clock back then? Like, you know, so I think, you know, and I'll and I'll credit him for Nicky Quaid for but one word Eddie, Eddie touched on there is he used ex- experience and having, you know, the, the knowledge to say, well, geez, we're under pressure now. I've, I, I've got to do something. I've got to kill the clock. And that's that's their way of kind of readjusting, resetting and uh, restructuring because most certainly for the first 25 minutes, you know, Galway were, were brilliant. But it was probably the first time I was up there that I seen the Limerick set up being a small bit disjointed and the reason I say that, where usually, you know, they're structured where their half-back line stays, their full-back line stays, their midfield stays. And I felt within those first 25 minutes, you know, they were getting pulled and dragged all over the place. And, you know, would have been in the immediate uh, aftermath of, of Nicky Quay going down where they got the structure back on, on track. Yeah. You know, that, that's what, John, you're right on that because that's what, the, the goal came from that. Like, you look at Carl Mannion's run, and I think Keen Lynch was the closest to him, and he just stopped, which is so unlike Limerick. And he just found that 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 lovely pocket of space to go into. Well, I I, I, even, I even felt like, like like you were on about where uh, Kilkenny were drawn an awful lot of bodies on the w- one side of the field. I thought similar played out in the first half where Galway were sucking uh, Limerick into one side, bringing bringing an awful lot of bodies onto one side of the field, and then they were going hitting the hitting the opposite side and. That's what was happening. Uh, Will O'Donnell was getting sucked in. Burns was getting sucked in. Mike Casey was getting sucked in. Even Dan Morrissey. So they had four bodies, which allowed them for the opposite side where there was an awful lot of space. And I thought, you know, well, that's where, where Galway got an awful lot of joy in the first half. But Yeah, they switched it know, up well. In, in the aftermath of Nicky Quay going down, you know, they got in at half time. They restructured. They went back to doing what Limerick do best and, and, and having, having their line of three having their line of three and a half back line, full back line, and, and particularly across their half forward line. And that's where that's where Galway found it very, very difficult on their own puck out. 
just Eddie on Galway. Galway probably got it so right for for half an hour. Was it a tactical switch? I'm not sure. There were six up at that stage. Were they trying to you know hold what they had? But they went in one up a half time, and they must have felt like they were five down because they'd done all the hurling and they get they were going in you know one up, and it seemed like morale was kind of low even coming out for the second half. But did you see a clear tactical shift in the few minutes before half time? From Limerick or from Galway? No, from Galway. Like to me, it looked like yeah, Galway. They, it, Galway allowed Limerick build. Yeah, they, they, it's it looked like they retreated a little bit, and maybe the thinking was right. We we've, we've got a cushion. Let's hold this. But for lads, you can't do that against Limerick. You can't allow them. You know, you can't like they're so good at bringing the ball out from the twenty-one. Nash and these boys, Jesus, that's bread and butter to them. They love that, and and they'll work you. They'll bring you around these little triangles, and they'll work it around. They're very comfortable doing that. But I just thought myself, look, Galway had their game plan, which was, you know, possibly to stack up one side, try pull defenders out, and they switched the ball fierce well. Like, Whelan caught a ball there nearly on the end line and got a point off the first half. I think there was another one, they'd done something similar. And they seemed to just move the Galway or the Limerick defenders one way and then switch the play the other way. And it was, you know, it was, it was good. But what happened was Limerick figured it out. Limerick got the messages in. Limerick got the communication issues right. And they may well have dropped someone back. They might have brought someone an extra forward out into midfields to give them the cover back there. And once they had the bodies to carry the ball out and have those little off the off the shoulder runners, then that played into their hands and and they found the space, you know. Um, but I just felt what 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 Galway, hadn't, in my view, was a plan B or even a second setup that they possibly needed. But I do think that. When you're in the ascendancy, I think the one thing you don't want to do is give the opposition time to breathe. And yeah, that break, you know, broke up Galway's momentum. But I certainly think maybe now they probably should have went hammering the hammer again. Like keep doing, keep pushing numbers high up the fields and not allow Limerick any bit of outball whatsoever. But is there any better team out there to fix a game mid-match than Limerick? No. And I just think that maybe... They're not being able to switch and having that experience that Limerick have. Like they can go to a different setup very, very fluidly, whereas Galway possibly didn't have that in their locker. Ah, but lads, lads, the 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 Mike Casey stop on the goal. Outrageous. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a monumental moment in, in 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 this match. If that goes in the back of the net, all of a sudden Galway are 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 eight points nine. up. They, they nine points up. They get more energy. You know yourself when a ball goes yeah, in the back yeah. of the net. The crowd get behind you, you get more energy. So instead of that going the back of the net, Nimrick go down the other end of the field, they get the next score. It's effectively nearly a four-point swing. And look, we even seen in the Munster final, just before half-time in the Munster final, where Clare missed score after score. They should have went in, a, in in that match, possibly six or seven points up. They didn't. They only went in, I think it was three points yeah. up. And, and, and Limerick... Limerick came with the surge in, in, in the third quarter. And you're 100% right. If you're going into a dress room at half-time, albeit they were one point up, and have no doubt, I'd say Henry would have been still banging the drums saying, lads, we're one point up. If, if you told us before before the match that we'd be, we'd be a point up at half-time, you would have taken it. But you can sometimes, you can, you can sense in a dress room that if you're after doing all the hurling and you're only a point yeah. up when you possibly should be seven, eight points up. I remember the 2002 All-Ireland semi-final against Clare. We done all the hurling in, in the in the first half, and I think Alan Marrickin got a goal just 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 before the break. And I think we went in a point down. It could be a point down at half time. And I, I remember being in the dressing room at half time, saying, 
how in the mother of God are we are we appointing one? And could you sense in addressing saying, "Geez, we're uh, we're not we're not we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to go win this match in the second half." And I'd say there's probably elements of that within the within the Galway Galway dressing saying we're after throwing everything at this for the first half, and we're only a point up, knowing knowing that Limerick were going to get that purple patch in the in the, in the second half. Eddie, we talked about a lot of different lads playing centre back for Limerick, but Willow Dunne, who probably wasn't in the top in the top no. five names mentioned. And look, in hindsight, the way he drops back and covers for Hannon, we probably should have realised it. But uh, like, how do you see that going? If Hannon gets ten days into him coming into the, you know, ten days of training coming into the final, like, would they bring would they bring him back in even if he's not fully fit, or would uh, would Willow Dunne, who even the last forty five minutes, would that give you enough confidence to think that he can survive there again? You probably can. I think, look, I don't know the full truth, but I suppose we heard that Hannon's year was over, that this there's ligaments or something inside of his knee done. Now, look, another 10, 12 days, who knows, something like that, it could straighten up. But Willie Donahue was was brilliant. He anchored it well. I'm sure there was a little bit of player coaching going on there, just telling them what to do. They understand the system so well. He plays in front of Hannon effectively most of the time anyway. So, he understands and he's probably able to use the instructions that he gets off hand and the communication to great effect. But I think one little point, and this is this is what's important, right, in terms of a team group and how tight this Limerick group are. Nobody, nobody got a sniff of that move. Nobody out, like nobody in the in the media had that info. Nobody. You know, so that just tells you how good and how committed they are to each other that even a fella maybe that, that would love to be playing is not even whispering that at home where it could get out. Like even Hegarty there throwing him in at seven. Was that a bit of a curveball to put up the Galway heads thinking? You know, so... Um, and just, that's on that, just on that, Eddie, you were involved in a Kilkenny camp where things were kept pretty quiet now by all accounts too. That does help bond your trust, that type of thing, knowing yeah. that... There's no black sheep. There's nobody leaking anything. Everybody's in this for the right reason, even if you're number 36. Yeah, no, and, and it's hugely important. And I do, I think there was even, you know, a fellow maybe ended up being left off the Kilkenny panel for that reason once once upon a time. So you can't have someone that's, you know, I suppose the example even is if you like, first two years in Waterford under Liam Cal, there wasn't a squeak getting out of that dressing room. And then you fast forward to the Clare match last year down in Ennis. And I remember on the Friday night was hearing who's going to be hitting the freeze and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's the point there, Mick. And I agree with you absolutely. If you're going to go somewhere, whatever little things you're doing, whatever bits and pieces, you have to keep it tight. And that's hard because you're going home to your own brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. and You're kind of going, ah, yeah, yeah you know, What's, what's, what's the crack? Because they just you're want to make conversation. To you're lying to them. And, and you're just sitting there, not even answering, just going, oh, yeah, sure, look, are you playing? Yeah, yeah, man, that's it. You nearly walk away after that. You just it's you don't you want to that. know. Mike Casey's parents landed down to the Cork game last year. And he was wearing 17, and they didn't know he was starting until it was announced over the tally beforehand. Like that, that is Brilliant. some sign of a camp, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's look, hey, it's a manager's dream, but you know, you have to have that trust. And you say, when people, of other teams, even club teams look in and the they, players look at that type of thing. 
why don't you live them? Why don't you bring, you know, if, if, if that's what it takes, you always look at people that are the gold star, the benchmark and say, what, what aspect of their game could we bring? And therein is one little thing, but it just shows the spirit that's there and the commitments and, and, and what Kylie expects of his players. And he's right. Just last one on, on Galway, John. Where to now for Henry Shefflin? Two years in, uh, in Galway. Obviously came with, a, you know, a glittering uh, club CV with two club All-Irelands uh, under his belt. Probably like outside of a Walsh Cup, I don't think he, he's won a trophy in, in Galway, beaten in two Leinster finals. Beaten by nine by Limerick this year, beaten by three last year. Um, where do you do you think Henry will stay on in Galway, or what do you see happening over the coming weeks and months? Yeah, well, one thing about the ask, Matty said, like I think you, the, 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 someone threw a question that you know they, they've made progress, and, and he, he was very open and honest. He said we didn't make progress from 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 last year. Uh, do I see him there for year three? It's hard to know. I think if Henry has the appetite, instead of Richie O'Neill, have the appetite to go up the road and keep keep going up that road three, four times a week. Uh, most certainly, he's he, he's the he's the right man for the job. Uh, I think he'll probably take a couple of weeks off. He'll reflect on on the, the last few years, and if he does decide to stay on, he might be kind of in the same predicament as as Liam Cattle, where. He might have to be having a conversation with, you know, they were three of the 2017 team who have been excellent servants, probably some of the greatest hurlers that, that Galway Hurling have ever produced. The team might need a bit of surgery and he might say, might have to say to them, he might have to have a couple of difficult conversations and say, look, lads, you're not in my plans going forward for, for the next for the next year or two if he does commit for the for the next the next two years. Um the thing is, John, I, I think the decision, sorry, I'm going to jump in. The decision is going to be with that kind of a conversation is how long is he going to stay on? Because if you're going to turn around and say, right, do you know what? I think it was two to go a third potentially. But if he's going to say, like, that's that's probably the, the, the gist of the conversation is, right, am I building for a year's two time? Or like, obviously you want it next year is the, is the most critical thing. So I don't think if he's going to do one more year, then he probably is not massively concerned with what he's building for the future. He's just looking at well, realistic. What have I available now, here and now? So he's probably going to be probably going the the, 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 the Liam Sheedy route, where Liam Sheedy probably knew in a year, year and he's going to probably yeah. cost him. They're probably right. He's probably going to stay loyal to to uh, you know the, the the class of 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 twenty seventeen hundred percent right. But if if he's if he's going down the the avenue of saying, well, look, I'm going to give it another. He'll know. He'll know by having the conversation with the with the Galway chairman and say, "Look, I might need another two or three years of this." He might say to him, "I'm going to give one year." You're 100 right. If he goes the one year route, I don't think he'll 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 have those conversations. I think he'll stay he'll stay loyal. But will they win an All Ireland next year? They won't win an All Ireland. So no. I think those are the two scenarios. If he's to stay on for two or three years and kind of a rebuild job, a trans transitional period. And you know, a bit of surgery, bringing in, bring in a couple of young lads again. On top of what he has, he has to have those difficult conversations. If he doesn't, stays for the one year. You're 100 right. I don't think he will have those conversations. Well, that's it for this week's show. My thanks to Eddie and John Milan for joining me. We'll be back next week to preview the All Ireland final. And in the meantime, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. 
This is an Irish independent podcast.